I didn't think that it could get worse for the prosecution, but the prosecutor keeps talking. And <laughs> they're doing their closing arguments right now in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. The prosecution is in the middle of closing arguments right now. I cannot bring you any of that live. And the main reason for that is there is foul language. Uh, so they they are... Basically what's happening is Fox is not sanitizing the evidence. There are some channels that have the trial on a delay and they are muting all of the bad words. So people who are watching on some of the news channels don't get to hear some of the language that was used against Kyle Rittenhouse or other people. Fox is not sanitizing it. Fox is actually playing you the audio as it is presented in court. And because of that, I can't play it on the air for all of you because there's F-bombs and racial epithets and things of that nature that I can't put out on the air. Um, But let me just, for the past half hour, I've been kind of live blogging this on Telegram. Go to uh, Telegram at Casey the Host or t.me slash Casey the Host if you're in your browser. And you should be following me on Telegram anyway. So let's just kind of go back to, I think, one of the funniest statements, okay? The prosecutor is once again making the case that no medic ever needs an AR-15. No medic at all. Like I said, there's some medics in the military. There's some corpsmen out there who carry M4s, which is the military version, if you will, of an AR-15. I know that that is not exactly accurate. My gun people, I'm not trying to trigger you. trying to make this as easy for the non-gun people to understand. And... It's funny, they all carry, okay, see, that's in a war zone or something like that. Yeah, you know what? SWAT does it too. A lot of police departments in in tactical situations are still armed with their rifles while their medics are going to work. You can watch lots of video of medics treating victims on scene, and you will see them with rifles. Now, was that the best choice of weapon for Kyle Rittenhouse for providing medical duty? Maybe, maybe not. I can tell you this, the AR platform is the number one choice of experienced military personnel to protect themselves and their families and their homes. That survey has been done a million times. So Kyle Rittenhouse chose that particular platform to be his firearm. Others chose handguns. So what? Uh, The prosecutor did admit that the AR-15s used by Rittenhouse and others in his group, did in fact serve as a deterrent, which is kind of the point. You see the you see the AR. Uh, you know that prosecutors like this guy in the news media lie to you about the AR. Remember, this is the prosecutor who said a hollow point bullet literally blows up and explodes in your body. Not quite how that works. Judge had to admonish him for that. Keep in mind, this is a prosecutor that has violated the rules of the courtroom multiple times and has been admonished. There are many, many lawyers publicly that are now saying that the prosecutor should should um, be facing some form of reprimand for prosecutorial misconduct here after this trial is over. That'll be interesting to see if that actually happens. I doubt it because it's Kenosha. But what while he's making this argument, okay, this is important. While he's making the argument that Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't need a gun to protect himself again, which is essentially what he is making. And we have talked about that when when they were questioning Kyle Rittenhouse last week, and and we were kind of going right into it right after the uh, you know 
40 minutes or so of me listening to the, the prosecution question him. Right after he makes the case that there was no reason for Kyle Rittenhouse to have an AR-15, he then says, and I'm not making this up, for those of you who missed it, he then said, this is the prosecutor, he then says, all of the previous nights of rioting and fires and violence and the roadblocks that have been set up by law enforcement that night, everything said to reasonable people, stay away. And then the prosecutor, I am quoting him, says, everyone was expecting violence that night, meaning the night where the shootings happened. Everyone was expecting violence that night. The prosecutor literally said this 30 seconds after telling everybody in the courtroom that Kyle Rittenhouse had no reason to believe he needed a firearm. So he goes from Kyle Rittenhouse has no reason to believe he needs a firearm to everyone was expecting violence that night because of all of the violence the previous nights. And then he goes on to say that everything that happened the previous nights and the roadblocks that were put up by law enforcement that night told all reasonable people to stay away. But did Kyle stay away? No, Kyle didn't stay away. Hey, hey, Josh, guess who else didn't stay away? The mob who attacked Kyle Rittenhouse. At no time was the prosecutor self-aware enough to understand that he was just making the case that only unreasonable people were in that area of Kenosha, Wisconsin that night. And Kyle was not alone, which means the people who attacked Kyle, the people who were shot by Kyle, would also, by the prosecutor's own determination, they would also be unreasonable. And since the prosecutor's point was Kyle Rittenhouse was so unreasonable that he was there that night in spite of all of the warning signs and the previous nights of violence and the roadblocks, and therefore he was looking for a fight, couldn't the same be said of Rosenbaum and Huber and Grosskreutz or Kreutz, whatever you want to call him, who cares, he's an idiot. And everybody else, Zeminski, who yelled, get him, that guy. The prosecutor is so, I I don't, folks, honestly, this would be funny if a young man's life weren't hanging in the balance here. The fact that you go, this all happened. Let's see, I want to look at my my post here. Um, Let's see. Everything that I just told you happened in a span of seven minutes. Less than seven minutes. And that right there, doesn't that already just kind of prove the defense's point? I can't wait for for the defense's arguments here. I mean, this is, uh, what else do they do? Um, Once again, Kyle Rittenhouse already knew that the crowd was hostile towards him. So when he left the property that he was there to protect and went looking to provide assistance elsewhere, he knew he was going to provoke the crowd. So it's his fault that he got attacked because he knew that they were hostile. So Rittenhouse should have known that if he left that property, he was going to face a violent crowd of rioters who were going to attack him. Does any of that justify attacking Kyle Rittenhouse? Any of it? No. Here's the thing. 
did Kyle Rittenhouse attack anybody before they attacked him? Yes or no? The answer to that is no. Kyle Rittenhouse was attacked. The prosecutor, right before we we started the show, actually said Rittenhouse knew that the crowd was unfriendly towards him because of things that happened previously in the night, and he was so aware that the crowd was hostile towards him that he yelled, friendly, friendly, friendly. Um, he actually yelled, friendly, 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 after they yelled, get him. They left that part out. But even if you don't have the audio of them yelling, get him, as the crowd is coming at him, let's not forget that just because you think people will be hostile towards you doesn't give them permission to be hostile towards you when you put yourself in that position. As we've said before, this is a blame the victim strategy, which is ironic because then the prosecutor blamed the defense, will accuse the defense of blaming the victim, meaning Rosenbaum, the child rapist who attacked Rittenhouse. And Rosenbaum wasn't really a threat, guys, because Rosenbaum was only five foot four inches tall. Rosenbaum was just getting out of the hospital. We don't have any actual video of Rosenbaum threatening Kyle. Doesn't matter if he threatened Kyle earlier in the night or not. It really is completely and totally irrelevant. All that matters is that he attacked him and multiple witnesses testified to that fact on the stand. That's all that matters. Look, I understand the prosecutor's just doing his job here and he doesn't have a big case. I, I get it, but he's 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 straight up lying to everybody. That's what's happening. So while he victim blames Kyle Rittenhouse, he's accusing the defense of victim blaming Rosenbaum. As if Rosenbaum were by himself minding his own business, and Kyle Rittenhouse, again, this was the narrative early on, Kyle Rittenhouse, this is their opening arguments. The prosecution is claiming that Kyle Rittenhouse hunted Rosenbaum down. Kyle Rittenhouse followed Rosenbaum. Kyle Rittenhouse chased Rosenbaum down, and Kyle Rittenhouse executed Rosenbaum. That has definitively been proven to be false throughout this trial, yet they're still making the closing arguments on that. It's a lie. So the prosecution is not just spinning things in their favor. They're straight up rewriting the events of the, of the night. They're lying to the jury. They're lying to the judge. They're lying to the American people here. But then this gives you kind of an idea of how ill-prepared the prosecution is. At one point, to show you how little of a threat Rosenbaum really is, because he's just such a tiny guy. And after all, short people can't hurt tall people. And that's only said by people who've never been in a fight. Short people can't harm tall people. Rosenbaum was no threat to anybody else. So for the prosecution to prove that Rosenbaum wasn't a threat to anybody else, the prosecution goes back to an argument that happened at a gas station with another group of people. And in there, they highlight how easily some guy who looks like he's 6'4 and 300 pounds pushed 5'4", 150-pound Rosenbaum back eight feet. And he goes, watch this guy in the yellow. He's going to push Rosenbaum eight feet and then he plays the video, and wouldn't you know it, the prosecution being so prepared for their closing arguments in the biggest case of his entire career that the entire country is watching. He got the person who pushed Rosenbaum wrong in the video. And he goes, well, okay, I guess it wasn't the guy I just told you to watch who pushed him. It was somebody else who pushed him. And do you know why they pushed him back? Because Rosenbaum threw a chunk of something at them. <laughs> I mean, this is the biggest case of your career. It is the most watched case since the OJ trial. You're making your closing arguments in, frankly, what has been a disaster. You've got to hit 
all of your marks. You've got to be flawless. And he can't even play back an incident from earlier in the night that he's using in his closing arguments and get the participants of the argument correct? That's the prosecution? It's, I, I don't really know what to say. He then says, he then says, if Rosenbaum were alive today, I'd probably prosecute him for arson. The prosecutor said this, but I can't because he's dead. Now, he said that after saying, well, what did Rosenbaum really do? Oh, he lit a dumpster on fire. He kicked over a porta potty without anybody in it. And then he does a big deal. He does one of these things like, so what? And he goes, if he were alive today, I'd probably prosecute him for arson. Like, arson isn't a big deal, Josh. But I can't prosecute him because he's dead. Now, of course, none of that matters. All that matters is that shows that Rosenbaum was out of control and was an active participant in illegal activity that night. If Rosenbaum hadn't lit things on fire, if Rosenbaum hadn't damaged property or or rioted, if, if Rosenbaum had not done any of that and did what he did to Kyle, Kyle's still justified in shooting him. He then made the case right before we we started the show. He then made the case that Rittenhouse intended to kill Huber. Yeah, well, Huber was bashing him over the head with a skateboard while Kyle was on his back on the ground. It it doesn't really matter. He's allowed to defend himself. It's I mean, this is this is honestly, they said if it if a young man's life were not hanging in the balance here, this would be hysterical. The prosecution was then, at the time that the show started, then moving into the arguments that Kyle Rittenhouse, um, after police were thanking him for what he was he was doing there that night and helping people and putting out fires, uh, he took that as a deputization. Like, he'd been deputized by the police department. And because there were no more protesters at the property that he was at, Kyle Rittenhouse went hunting for protesters. No, what Kyle was doing was lending his services to other parts of the, the city that were having problems. So now suddenly... It is wrong for someone who is there to help to move around to where their help is needed. Now, that is that is intent of ill will, according to the prosecution. That's um, I'll tell you what, man, I would never be a good Samaritan in the town of Kenosha, Wisconsin, because their prosecution does their prosecutors don't like good Samaritans at all. They really don't like them. Is that I? I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, we got some lawyers watching this and, and commenting on the live stream, and they are just like, "Wow, this is really bad." We got more coming up. News Talk ninety five three, Michiana's news channel. Now, somebody on the live stream is making a point that I I made when we were going over uh, Grosskreutz last week. And I just want to reiterate it because it's such a valid point. If Kyle Rittenhouse as a, because remember, the prosecution is making the case that if Kyle Rittenhouse was there to be a medic, he didn't need a gun at all. Well, Gage Grosskreutz was there to be a medic and Gage Grosskreutz was illegally carrying a handgun. And he pointed that handgun at Kyle Rittenhouse's head. And that's when Kyle Rittenhouse shot his arm. And the prosecution, while going through all of this, continuously says, well, if Rittenhouse is there to be a medic, he doesn't need a gun. Well, then why did Grosskreutz need a gun? 
they asked Grosskreutz about you know him being armed, and he says, "I'm a I'm a believer in the Second Amendment." And they just accepted that. The prosecution was like, "Oh, okay," but Rittenhouse doesn't get that that privilege. So it's uh it's very very interesting to watch this case. The defense is going to take the their uh, their place with the the final arguments here. We won't be able to obviously uh, take that, but. Uh, Rittenhouse defense is getting ready to present their arguments. Prosecution is done. These will be the closing arguments in the Rittenhouse trial. And, of course, we'll have all of the the uh, updates and deliberations and the verdicts and everything else in the, the forthcoming weeks. Uh, I just want to I want to direct your attention because, again, the prosecution, and I've seen a couple of other idiots online who don't know anything about skateboards. And I, I was just saying this before. Like, if I, if I were interviewing face-to-face the prosecutor, I would hide a skateboard somewhere in there. And I would pull it out, and I would smash it on the table that the two of us were sitting at. So he could understand that a skateboard is a deadly weapon. I would rather go up against a bat than a skateboard. So I've got this case from 2015, Santa Ana, California, at a Starbucks there. A man was killed after being hit in the head with a skateboard in an act of self-defense. A fight broke out between two men. Authorities received calls regarding an assault with a deadly weapon inside of a Starbucks. After they arrived, a man in his 50s was transported to the hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. The other person involved was a man in his 20s, remained at the scene. He was taken to the police department for questioning. And basically what happened is he was attacked, hit somebody in the head with a skateboard. The guy who was hit in the head with a skateboard died. Why? Because skateboards can be deadly weapons. That's why. And this notion that a skateboard is not a deadly weapon is, frankly, preposterously stupid. And it can only come from people who have never actually held one in their hands before. And when they make this case that, oh, well, he intended to kill Huber. Huber was smashing him in the head with a skateboard, just like hundreds of people who have been killed by being hit in the head with skateboards all across the country. You can look it up. I mean, it's not not difficult case law to find. It really isn't. So the defense is, is now pleading their case, and we'll do what we can to bring you updates over the next couple of days about the, uh, the trial, the verdict, and everything else. But holy smokes, that was a disastrous closing argument for the prosecution. All right, MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Well, I got to be honest with you. The defense attorney, Mark Richards, um, he looks genuinely angry at some of the things the prosecution has said. And in that commercial break, how long was that commercial break, Josh? About six minutes or so? In six minutes, he peeled apart the 30 minutes of prosecutor arguments that I heard. In six minutes... Six minutes. That's all it took. And he went, really, the line that I I enjoyed was when he said, look, the prosecutor is either lying to you, they're wrong, or they did not prepare themselves for this trial. (laughs) He's, uh, yeah, he's angry. He's busting out the forensics now and everything else. And, and yeah, it's, um, he's doing a great job. He's doing a fan. That's not, that's not a biased assessment. Because if he weren't doing a good job, I'd be angry. He is genuinely doing a fantastic job right now. So we'll keep you updated on that throughout the show. I, meanwhile, let's just lighten things up. We've gone from talking about a smelly prosecutor. Let's talk about a smelly fish. Tuna Gate is still happening. Josh, you've been following Tuna Gate? You have not been following Tuna Gate? I thought for sure morning show peeps would be following Tuna Gate. So we did some coffee with Casey's on Tuna Gate and everything else. And uh, Tuna Gate is still going. For those of you who don't know what Tuna Gate is, uh, What ended up happening is two ladies in California filed a lawsuit against Subway earlier in the year, and they alleged that Subway's tuna sandwich 
doesn't actually have any tuna in it. Now, I rarely get their tuna sandwich. I have gotten it in the past, and I'm going to be honest with you. I just thought it was not great tuna. It's, you know, I make I make really good tuna, though. It's so much so that my nine-year-old will only eat tuna if I make it. And honestly, you know what the trick is? Anybody know what the trick is? Seriously, garlic, salt, and pepper. That's it. Mayonnaise, garlic, salt, and pepper. It's all you got to do, and your kids will eat it up. So uh, what ended up happening is I guess they went to a lab. They, they had a, uh, a whole study that was paid for, and New York Times, I think, was, was the funder of that study. So they, they did a study on this. They found that no traces of tuna in a Subway tuna sandwich existed. Really weird stuff, right? Because if you're getting a tuna sandwich, you assume that it's going to have at least some tuna in it. You remember the Kraft cheese, not Kraft cheese, the Kraft lawsuit, one of my favorite lawsuits of all time. Uh, lady, many, many years ago, she sues Kraft Foods because the guacamole doesn't have enough avocado in it for her. But it always had avocado in it. Just wasn't enough. So she sued them. And this is similar to that, except there's no tuna to be found anywhere in the sandwich. And shortly after this lawsuit happened, and, and it went viral and everybody was talking about it, we covered it too, uh, shortly after that, Subway starts running these new commercials saying that made with new, fresh, real ingredients. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> All right, so here's the, uh, here's the background. All 20 samples contained detectable sequences of chicken DNA, according to the complaint, while 11 samples were found to have pork DNA and seven contained cattle DNA. What? Oh, my word. So, uh, have you ever you ever purchased the the cans of chicken mistakenly instead of getting tuna? You ever done that before? Okay, um, there's nothing wrong with the canned chicken, but when you're expecting tuna, it's a bummer. It is a huge bummer. Here's the thing: it it obviously looks different, tastes different, but the texture is completely different too. So this makes complete sense. One of the things that always set me off about their tuna was that it always seemed real dry, and and just just kind of tough and stringy. And tuna shouldn't be that way when properly prepared. Tuna should be much more porridge-esque, if you will. Um, so very strange consistency. So I would assume that chicken is probably a part of it. Now, if they mix chicken with tuna to save some money, all right, whatever. Is it misleading? Maybe. Uh, you, could, you could certainly make that argument. But now that they are actually in the midst of the trial and they're introducing the evidence here, is is. We're now finding out that the tuna sandwich was either chicken, pork, or cattle-based, not tuna-based. Youch. In the original lawsuit, which has now been amended to add this new claim, it is alleged that Subway's tuna was actually a mixture of various concoctions that do not constitute tuna, yet have been blended together by Subway to imitate the appearance of tuna. Okay. Now, again, if you order a tuna sandwich and you don't get any tuna, you got a right to be upset about that. Now, this is also the same restaurant that told you they were giving you footlongs, um, and and then, of course, they weren't giving you footlongs. Remember the guys who sued Subway over that, saying that they weren't actually getting footlongs? So, yeah, there's, there's you know, again, I, I I don't eat Subway a lot. I used to eat it a ton when, when I was younger. Uh, I preferred it to Porta Subs. Porta Subs and Subway were the two big Subway sandwiches that where I grew up, and I always preferred Subway over Porta Subs. Never liked Porta Subs, but um, 
but again, it, I don't really eat cold sandwiches, so it's not my thing. But still, uh, the fact that there's new evidence that has now been introduced in this lawsuit and amending it, where 20 samples, 20 samples from different subways found no detectable tuna. They found chicken. They found pork. They even found cattle. They didn't find any tuna. It's not going to end well for Subway. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Every time we go back to the defense's closing arguments in the Rittenhouse trial during the commercial breaks, Mark Richards, the defense attorney for Kyle Rittenhouse, is obliterating some point that the prosecution made. Um, and he's been, he's, I mean, his closing arguments so far from what I've heard, I'm only hearing a fraction of them have been stellar. I've not come back to any filler or fluff or anything. I've come back to just him destroying one point right after another. Uh, and he's eliminating uh, gross cruits, his crates, whatever, gross cruits. That's what I call him. Um, he's destroying him right now. Pointing out that he had 10 million reasons to lie to everybody. Oh, and a friendly reminder, he had a round chambered in his handgun, which he was illegally carrying that night. Uh, when he pointed it at Kyle Rittenhouse's head. So if you have a round chambered and you point it at somebody, again, it's reasonable for Kyle Rittenhouse to assume that when you point a gun in his head that that his life is in danger. So we'll continue to give you updates on that throughout the show, and then, of course, we'll continue to cover the the jury deliberations and uh, obviously the, the, uh, the verdict. Did you know that there was a Let's Go Brandon cryptocurrency? So for those of you looking to jump into crypto, there is a Let's Go Brandon cryptocurrency. In one week, it has jumped 150%. I haven't checked on it uh, since the, the morning time. The digital coin, LGB, it's got a dollar, excuse me, it's got a dollar sign in front of it, uh, began public trading on November 8th. In a week from trading, it rose 150%. And, and it's cheap. You can buy tons of this. For a relatively cheap price, which is great news for crypto people. America's coin is the tagline of the cryptocurrency with a mission of fighting back against the establishment, their mismanagement, and the financial fleecing of the American people, according to the official website. Their Twitter account details donations made to benefit veterans. Uh, hedge fund manager and public-facing public uh, LGB holder James Krautulas donated $25,000 worth of the cryptocurrency to Aquanauts Adaptive, a dive therapy program for veterans with disabilities, according to the representatives of the coin. So not only is it just fun to buy, uh, let's go, Brandon cryptocurrency, but the people behind it are helping veterans. So if you are out there looking for a cryptocurrency to invest in, and maybe you don't have a lot of money, this would be a really good one for you to kind of wet your whistle in the crypto market on uh, because it is growing and you can get it really cheap, which means you can buy a lot of them uh, for, for just, a, you know, just a buck at this point in time, which is good. I'm not going to tell you this is going to be the next Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything like that, but um, you know, it is nice that if you're going to invest in something, that you're going to, you know, looks like it's going to get good return on investment, in, at least in the short run. You know, well, obviously it's an investment, so there's always risk involved. You have to be aware of that. Uh, but at the same time, the people behind it are doing good things for veterans, too. Uh, the name of the coin is based on the Let's Go Brandon chant, which in addition to social media hashtag has become a phenomenon at sporting events across the country. Did you catch 
the real version of Let's Go Brandon at the Indiana football game this weekend. They didn't do Brandon. <laughs> they did the uh, the real version of that. So at Noise, I was going to, on my, my shirt, I was going to get an FJB vertically, like right down in between my sport coat. I was going to do that, but I didn't have any time, so I, I just wasn't able to get it done in time. I know that the crowd would have appreciated that. I think the crowd would have appreciated it anyway. Uh, so there is a cryptocurrency out there. It is the money sign LGB. So if you're looking on your, I looked on Coinbase earlier today and it wasn't on Coinbase. I'm going to go on a crack in here in a little bit and see if it's there. Uh, so you got to find a, a place that sells it for you to be able to, to get it. Uh, they also have a website as well. If you want to go to their website, which is lgbcoin.io and you can get to uh, all of their, their markets that way. So again, it's you know it's pretty cool to see something like that. And here's the thing: this is something that we've we've learned with the Dogecoin thing, is that memes can now become pretty effective currency investments, depending on how things work. Um, I still I still recommend Batcoin because I still think that Batcoin has a tremendous future and it's it's done pretty good for itself over the past year or so, and Batcoin being tied to the Brave browser, and being a way for people to. Uh, securely do online transactions with uh, with minimal risk to, to identity theft. That's where I think the future is, and, and Batcoin has tied itself to that. So there's a lot of great options out there. I'm not I'm not a, a crypto guru or anything like that. Just you know, if you if you got a little scratch but not a ton, and you want to invest in something that does appear to be given back to the veteran community, the LGB coin might be the way to go. This might be one of those options for you. All right, don't forget to go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that rumble button. We got more coming up, 95.3 MNC.